Fends them dummy half. It's with the halfback, William. Williams goes himself, comes out the other side, gets it to Croker, bounces away from a would-be from De Goyce, puts a kick out wide, looking for Shander Earl, and Earl is in again. Oh, stop it, it's starting to hurt. Rugby league. Rugby Hello and welcome to the SC Playbook Podcast. I'm your host, Tim Williams. Hooked into a couple of sneaky schooner Vasa shacks before the show started tonight. So I'm pretty excited, fired up to talk some footy. Joining me is the one and only Supercoach Spy. Spy, how are you, mate? Good, mate, but not as good as you by the sounds. A couple of schooner Vasa shacks at the RSL sounds pretty good. Um, they have been all right, pretty ordinary weather this week. So I've actually been playing a bit of Crash Bandicoot racing before the pod. Uh, so if anyone has any tips for me, I'm playing on hard mode now and Pretty bloody hard to win, so send them through. But otherwise, uh, set up pretty well for the pod. Got Rafa on on my phone here and ready to talk some rugby league. Mm, it's been a pretty busy night for everyone by the sounds of it. Also joining us on tonight's show, he's on debut for the NRL Supercoach podcast with SC Playbook. Uh, he was a regular fixture with the Supercoach BBL podcast for us throughout the Big Bash season. Uh, but it is Michael Fisher. Fish, mate, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm well, thanks. Uh, I'm not sure I'm as good as you two or the sounds of it. The spies <laughs> are just multitask extraordinaire and uh, you're coming in uh, on, in in a good space by the sounds of it. So, uh, yeah, I'll see if I can live up to it. Mate, there's plenty to match here but at, the, at the moment, but uh, we've got the spy over there. He's got plenty happening, so hopefully his analysis and advice is pretty good tonight. But uh, from what we've heard so far, I'm questionable. Fish, for those who don't know, tell us a little bit about yourself, a bit of a background on you and obviously more specifically your Supercoach background. Yeah, for sure. So it was great to be able to give a bit of Supercoach content a crack over summer with the Big Bash and my definitely preferred fantasy sport is NRL. I've I've been giving that a go for for the better part of a decade now. I got hooked pretty early on back in the days of Folletti Matteo and Corey Parker and the like and... I've had a, had a couple of decent finishes over the years, a um, couple of top hundreds, a, a best of ninth, which I was pretty stoked with to, to get into single figures a little while ago. And uh, yeah, ready to hook in with some more content this year. Good stuff, mate. We are, we needed to bring a bit of additional experience to the podcast, uh, another top 10 finisher, which can't hurt at all. And you'll be doing uh, plenty of content for us as well. So looking forward to that one. Uh, so on today's show, we're going to be starting off with a little topic on cash generation versus early points to start the season and what you should be eyeing off. Uh, we'll continue our club previews with the Knights, the Titans and the Sharks. Uh, we're going to have a look at a couple of super pods that we're after for round one. Uh, pretty risky ones, I think it'll be, but we'll see how it goes and see what you boys can come up with. And then, as usual, we'll take a few questions at the end and see what we can get through. Uh, just a quick note, on the squad breakdowns I've been doing on the website, they've... Uh, didn't realise, but they've been popping up a little bit funny on the, on the mobile device. So there's actually a few people that thought it was just a 17 with a little graphic of the teams there. Um, it has been fixed now that tells you to do it, but click on the player and that'll give you the analysis that I've done on each of those players. If you hadn't worked that one out at this stage, hopefully you had. Anyway, fellas, let's get stuck into it. And it's a really important topic and one that helped me a lot going into last season, speaking to, to Walson and Desi, who were one and two overall in 2019 Supercoach. And it is the need uh, for to focus on early cash generation when you pick your initial supercoach side with your cheapies, your mid-rangers, versus just the need for points. Um, it's, a, it's a big concept that needs to be looked at and spoken about. Everyone has a different approach to it. I don't think there is a right or wrong answer. There probably is better answers. Um, and then a couple of other quick, quick popular topics that have come through in questions that we're going to get to in a couple of the later podcasts, but... We'll definitely do a cheapy special closer to when the season kicks off. Um, I know it's important, but I don't want to touch on it too early because the cheapy landscape changes so much throughout the preseason. Uh, I think we want to see a few trials first and get a few more cemented for round one that we can talk about. And then the other one is those mid-range cash cows in that sort of 300 to 450k bracket um, that are, again, really vital for cash generation in your side for round one. We'll get to those as well, but not on tonight's episode. For tonight's episode, we're going to talk about early cash generation or going for the points. I'll start with you, Spy. Um, what's your approach to that? It's really interesting, boys. As you said, it's so critical, this. I've had the last two years, I've had a pretty ordinary round early in either rounds one, two, or three. So it's something I definitely want to alleviate because you need to start well to do, to, do, to do well. I don't mean like you have to be killing it, but... 
I had to round, it might have been round one or two last year. I can't remember which one it was. I just didn't start well enough and it just, just kept me chasing from the start. So I think basically what that comes down to is points are absolutely vital. Cash is as well, so there's always going to be a balance and I'm really interested to hear what you boys have to say. But for me, you have to be getting your points and that's why at the moment I've got blokes like Tedesco and Cleary locked into my side. Sure, they might lose 50 or 100k at some stage, but conversely, if they happen to score a couple of 150s between them and make money, then you've been set back a long way there. And you know what? In my opinion, you can make up cash elsewhere throughout the season. If, if Teddy and Cleary lose a bit of coin, you hold on to them. As long as you don't sell them, you're not losing that money anyway. Um, and cheapies always come along and you find out who the blokes going well are and make cash off them. Uh, but in saying all that, you still need to make your cash because you need to get to your best 17 as quickly as possible. So it's probably one of the toughest things in Supercoach. Uh, just as it stands, I'll give you my, my squad breakdown as, as it stands. I've got seven blokes over $600,000 and I've got two in the centres at around $500,000. So that, that I see them as my money makers, sorry, my point makers, and then I can build money makers around them. But boys, let me know what sort of balance you guys are looking at because it's, it's a big, big question and it can be hard to get right. And there's a lot of luck involved absolutely early in the season because, as I said, Teddy could get 200 twice in a row or it could get a pair of 50s and you just don't know what's going to happen. What do you think, boys? Yeah, it's look, it's a really fine line, and as I, I can't stress enough that there is no right or wrong answer or approach. Um, you know, perhaps going against the grain and, and the rest of the super coaches could work at a time uh, if you go against the popular options. Um, Fish, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think when you say there's no right or wrong answer, I tend to agree with that. I think different super coaches will have a different approach, and sometimes what's really important is just sticking to what your kind of approach as a, a super coach is and, and not getting too caught up in what everyone else is saying or, or doing. For me, that that is kind of building early cash generation. And I think there's been times where I've sort of gone away from that and it hasn't worked as well. I like to build a really kind of healthy squad and, and really target the buy rounds. So that being said, uh, the game has changed a lot over the last couple of years where the, the buy rounds are less important and the ceilings of players have, have just gone through the roof. So I think it's really important to try and jag those high scores or super high scores and, and not miss out. Uh, as, as another one of the, the super coaches who missed out on Teddy last year can, can guarantee that, yeah, you, you want to get those players in when they're uh, up against a weaker team, uh, whether it's just to cover the risk or, you know, try and maximise the opportunity there. Yeah, nice, mate. Um, Spy, anything to add to that? Yeah, I was just going to say it's a really good point on how the game's changed. If you look probably four or five years ago or even two, three years ago, I used to probably focus on cash generation a bit more than I will this year and last year. And as you said, the reason for that is the ceilings of bikes have just lifted so much. With guys who can now score 200, you can't really afford to wait two or three weeks and pick them up, whereas you used to be able to do that a lot easier. So I think you've just got to be a little bit more aggressive on the absolute elite players. But as I said, that doesn't mean you can't build a heap of cash generation guys around them. And if you need to get a guy in for a couple of weeks after uh, a good score is achieved, just do that and then move them on. But that's why I want some of the elite guys in uh, like Teddy and Cleary. Yeah, 100% agreed on that. And I, I won't elaborate on that too much in the sense that, um, again, you've, you've already touched on it, but um, the ceilings have gone through the roof with the new rules, the quicker play, the dominant teams uh, are just pounding the, the, the weaker sides in the NL, which we saw last year, which is why we saw you know Cody Walker hit 200. Teddy went, I think, five tons in about six matches to start with the new rules last season, so that's important. The one thing I do want to touch on is – an approach that I, I take when I'm picking my around one side is just to look for value in just about every player in your squad. Um, so, I mean, that doesn't mean picking 25 cheapies in your squad and, and earning a stack of cash, um, but looking at guys who, all right, who's going to play extra minutes this year? And, you know, they might not average 60 straight away, but they might be 30 players who averaged 30 last year and might average 40 to 45 by around sort of five or six. They'll earn you 100 to 150K while scoring that solid 40 to 50 points, um, in particular in the front row position is the biggest spot for it when they're available. 
um, guys potentially like a, a Christian Welch or a Ben Murdoch Masilla this season. Um, so I think that's the go. The exception to these guys where I'm trying to find value in every player to start the year, guys who make money, is your out-and-out guns. Um, when you're picking absolute guns like your James Tedesco's, I suppose if Payne Haas was ready to go for round one, they're guys who aren't going to go up in cash, uh, cash value, but they will score, can score through the roof and it will hurt you if you don't have them. So, look, I'm trying to get, you know, of my 25-man squad, pretty well 20-odd of those players I want to be rising in value by around five or six that I can then upgrade to out-and-out guns. Um, and, again, yeah, that's where the mid-rangers come in, uh, and we'll speak about them in more depth later on. But in past seasons, I've probably put a little bit too much value on cash generation early on. And as the spy said, you can start really slow and it can hurt you and you can get a little bit too far behind. Um, so I think it's, it's just about finding that balance between cash generation and having solid points. You don't necessarily need to be winning Supercoach after the first five rounds. I think that's nearly impossible. Um, but, yeah, it's a very fine line. So. Anyway, take it as you please. Everyone has a different strategy, but a few thoughts there that can hopefully help you out. Guys, if you are interested in our subscription package, $30 for our NRL for the season, $40 for NRL and Big Bash as well, which comes up at the end of the year, of course. Uh, that'll give you access to stacks of extra content throughout the preseason, throughout the actual season. Um, really, really hopefully valuable stuff to you that we put a lot of time into. Uh, also gives access to our subscriber special question and answer podcast. Uh, I mentioned this on last week's podcast, but we've been getting a lot of questions, even more this week on social media for tonight's podcast. Um, so it's just a way of giving our subscribers uh, basically an assurance that we can get to your questions each week um, and not feeling bad about not getting them in there. If not, and you're not interested in that, there's plenty of free stuff as well. So heaps of that, that to enjoy as well. Um, just touch on it as well, the Unlimited group, taking our contributors. There's big prizes to be announced, but make sure you jump into that before the season starts. The code is 784746, and that'll be plastered across a few of our stories uh, and in the podcast as well. Let's get stuck into our analysis of the Gold Coast Titans, the first of our club previews for the night. Uh, a few new faces at the club, very relevant super coach NRL faces as well at that. We'll start at the back line, though. A couple of um, potential prospects for round one there. And Spy, I'll get your thoughts on AJ Brimson, who hit the ground running last year, an average of 73.6. It does mean he's priced at 650K this season, uh, pushing a little bit to get back for round one this season. It sounds like he'll be all right to go, potentially even play a trial. Um, mate, do you see him as a bit of a pod to start the year? He went absolutely nuts last year, or is there better in the position? I think he's definitely a pod if you want to have a go at him. we uh, The Titans have a nice draw early. Um, I did read last night that he started running again seven weeks ago, so that's a reasonable amount of time to get some, some run under you, but I just wonder if he might be a little bit maybe not at peak fitness yet. I might actually ask around a few of the NRL guys and just see what they think in relation to what a good season, good preseason entails. So I think that's the magic number. If he can be sort of fit and firing, um, we know how good he is. He's young. He's probably only going to get better. I know there's the issue you brought up, Tim, about uh, combinations with new players. Uh, but, I mean, he's kind of that guy. He creates a lot of it himself. They're probably the go forward might be better. Um, I think he's a nice pod if you want to have a crack at him. Yeah, one, one thing I'm very, very passionate about, and again, I probably speak about it a little bit too much, but is new players at new clubs, um, you know, yeah, new players going into new clubs and whatnot, and it just takes so much time for these combinations to gel. Uh, it affects their NRL team. It affects their Supercoach scoring. I go back to the first year that Cooper Cronk was at the Roosters when Teddy was there, Cronk was there, Kiri, uh, Jake Friend, the best spine in the competition. And for the first 12 rounds of the year, they were pretty ordinary. Um, they did not click. It took them so much work to get going. By the time they did, they were nearly unstoppable. But to start the year, um, it does take time. However, the Titans, in, and in the case of AJ Brimson, yes, maybe a little bit of a combination there with a few of the edge back rowers, but I think they've kept their spine together um, with Ash Taylor there, Fogarty, Brimson, and Mitchie Rain as well. So I don't think it'll affect him too much. Spy, another guy you were really keen on is Brian Kelly. So Kelly's price, just under 500K there to start the season off the back of a 56 average last year. Um, mate, is he in your side for round one at this stage? He's in at the moment, and to be honest, it'd be hard for me to take him out. He's my one pure pod. I don't think I could go Kelly and Brimson. I don't think there's anything wrong with doing that. It's a nice, aggressive move, but I would think I'd rather just pick one of them, and I like my fullbacks in Pappenhausen and Teddy. So 
you, you wrote really well about Kelly in the, the team analysis. He actually averaged, if you took out his two injury-affected games, which you obviously can't do much about, he only played eight minutes and not many in the other one, he actually averaged 62 and a half. And much like Brimson, he's young, he's getting better, he's got a really good base. So at 3% ownership, it just screams by to me. And I just don't think – I think his floor is quite good. So I don't think he's going to decimate me if it goes wrong. Might be a little bit underwhelming as a worst case. Um, but, geez, upside's there. What do you think, boys? Yeah, well, I mean, mate, the, the numbers are pretty good. They stack up 30 base per game. You take out those two injury, well, there's one injury-affected game – uh, where he scored three points in 11 minutes. The other one was when he came off the bench and played 31 minutes. But outside of those two, no scores under 30 in the whole season. Had 46 tackle busts, 28 offloads. Makes a really, really good Supercoach scoring. So definitely an option in, in what looks to be a stronger Titan side. Fish, Brian Kelly and AJ Brimson, any interest in either of those two for you? Yeah, Kelly's a standout for me. I think the thing I like about the Titans players is their, their draw up to around 12 looks pretty good. They kick off with the Warriors, the Broncos and the Cowboys and it gets a little bit tougher after that for a while and then sort of leading into Origin, they've got Broncos, Tigers, Panthers, Bulldogs, Sharks, uh, which sort of sounds pretty good. And then in round 13, they play Melbourne, uh, who will be pretty Origin depleted. So with Brimson, I guess there's the possibility that he, he could jag a maroon spot either at fullback or on the bench. Kelly would probably have to impress. Uh, I think he's a New South Welshman, so he'd probably have to impress to uh, get into that team, having not played for them before. And, yeah, I quite like Kelly's base. So I, I think at the price, given the fact that he had that injury-affected game last year, he, he looks legitimately underpriced and I see upside with the draw. So the other thing with Kelly, I think he might be playing outside for feeder. So that could bode well. We obviously don't know how it's going to go yet with all the new combinations and everything, but you'd think that side is going to see a lot of ball and if Fafita attracts a lot of attention, then could be more space for Kelly. That's a really, really good call, mate. I like that. Uh, Spy, not on my radar at this stage, but Jamal Fogarty and Ash Taylor, when I did my analysis on them, I wasn't keen on either of them at all. But um, both of them, so Fogarty's available only at halfback, Ash at 5'8 and halfback. Uh, We keep having this issue of looking for a backup halfback to Nathan Cleary for round one. Not nothing really standing out. These two are both priced at 430k, so very affordable based on averages just under 50 last year. Do you have any interest in in either of those two to start the year as you back up half? Not really. In short, I don't think there's anything majorly wrong with them. They'll probably do a job for you, but I'd just rather spend my cash elsewhere on someone I know is pretty confident to make me cash, or alternatively, just getting a cheap guy who's possibly not even playing. Um, and sort of banking in Cleary because for that extra sort of 300 grand, you could say by getting like a cheapie or something like that, you can just really boost the rest of your side. Ideally, you could get a backup half at like 250, 300 grand. Um, they can definitely make you cash then. But I don't know about those boys. They sort of, I think they'll do a good, do a good job. And if you know who's definitely goal kicking, uh, if you're going to go one of them, I'd just take the goal kicker and hope the Titans explode because there could be some good points on offer there for whoever's taking the duties. Yeah, so much of the attack comes through AJ Brimson, as we know now. A lot of it will go through David Fafita this year as well. Um, I mean, Ash Taylor, I just see him being around that 45 to 50 average again. He's more than capable of, of lifting to 60, but I think we're going to need to see something before taking that gamble. Fogarty's a guy who obviously only, I think, played one game in 2017 or 18 and then played a stack last year. Um, so he's a player that's certainly on the up. 27 base per game, really good. But six games, six of his 18 games last year were under 30 points. Only had one score over 80 for the season, which was an 88. So I'm not sure about his ceiling. Um, just not really a lot there for me. Fish, any interest for you? Not really. Of the two, I, I probably prefer Fogarty just because I think he took the reins of that side at the back end of last year. So even though I think Taylor will have the goal kicking, I'd, I'd probably still prefer Fogarty as, as the one more likely to maybe generate some attacking upsides. Uh, however, yeah, I'd, I'd probably pass on both and, and they're in that kind of questionable mid-range price bracket, which makes it tough. There, there is every chance that the uh, the Titans start on fire with, with their new squad, but there's also 
a risk that, that it takes time to click, as you said. So I'm not really too interested. Yeah. And, I mean, at the time of writing this, as we move on to the pigs, uh, there is no Cameron Smith at the Titans. There's a lot of strong word that Cam Smith will end up at the Titans. If he does, uh, that'll change my opinion on a lot of the plays in these sides, and we can reassess that should it occur. Uh, one guy that I've got placed at lock at the moment, initially I thought that Big Tino for Sua Malawi would be on an edge, uh, but the more I look into their team, obviously Dave Fafita will be on one edge. They love Kevin Proctor up at the Titans. Good footballer. Don't know how good, but they love him on the edge. He'll probably play 80 minutes. So I assume Big Tino will be in that middle rotation. Averaged only 46 minutes per game last season at a PPM, points per minute of 1.23. Um, I'm leaning towards him playing about 60 to 70 minutes, get a bit of a spell there for about 10, 15 minutes. I can play about 65 minutes. Um, Spy Big Tino at 504k, available as a dual second row forward, front row forward, which is massive. Mate, is he in your round one side at the moment? Because he'll be a pretty popular buy. He is at the moment. Big Tino is actually one of my real big question marks for the year. I'm pretty set with most of my squad, barring injuries and pre-season trials and all the rest. But I had a little dive into Tino last night, and I will check these numbers again because it was pretty late. But... He's, his base last year, he played 880-odd minutes for a base of 850. So that's not far off one base point per minute. Uh, so that's just pure work rate. Uh, that's a lot. Now, in saying that, he did play a lot of shorter games, like 30 and 40 minutes, so it's easy to go pretty hard and get really stuck into it. But I had a little bit of a further dive. He played four games over 60 minutes. And his base in that was 0.8, which equates to about 64 points a game over 80 minutes. Or if he was to play 65 minutes, which we think he probably will, you're looking at a base of about 52, then you've got to add on his attack. So he's a really interesting one. I mean, does he have as much attack without Cameron Smith? If Smith was named, that would help him a lot. Um, and the other thing is he only had two offloads last year. So does he possibly bring that into his mm. game? Is that not part of his game? I don't know. He's a young kid. We'll see. But... What I'm basically saying is the points potential is absolutely there. Uh, conversely, he may just come out and get that 0.8 with not huge attack without Smith and maybe just average somewhere around last year. So I don't think he'll hurt you too bad, but with his upside, he, he probably makes sense to start with him and just have a real good look those first few weeks. Uh, what do you think there, boys? Yeah, man, I'm with you. I think he... he I do have question marks around him, whether he can maintain that PPM over that extra 10 to 15 minutes per game. Um, but again, I don't see you being hurt by him. He might not make the 50 to 100K that we hope he will, potential keeper in the front row, uh, which I'll definitely be selecting in my front row at this stage. Um, but he's not going to hurt you. Fish, have you got him? I don't at the moment. If he plays 60 plus minutes, he's going to be tough to leave out, I think. The, the reason I've got him out at the moment is he had seven tries last year, which is equal most of any forward. Uh, the other two had seven tries were, were Kiko and, and Luciano Leilua, I believe. So I, I don't think he will match that, even though he, he may have more minutes and uh, the, the increased minutes yeah, might sort of reduce his, his attack a little bit, especially while the, the Titans are finding their way. And and then uh, I'd expect he's going to be playing Origin as well. So around that middle period, he, you could see a kind of decline in work rate too. So you, you're definitely right. I mean, you, you, given you're not going to hurt yourself by having him and, and the upside's there, if it's looking like he's going to get the minutes, it's it's going to be pretty tough to leave him out. Yeah, that's it, mate. Definitely not the lock that I think we all, all believe he is or want him to be, but pretty hard to go past. Uh, another guy that will pique plenty of interest is David Fafida, the other recruit there in the back row. Uh, Fafida's an interesting one. 569K, average 64.3 last season from 76 minutes per game. So we expect him to be an 80-minute back row this season. So a few additional minutes there, but not too many extra 40 base per game. Not terrific last year in terms of the elite back rows in Supercoach but we know what he can do with the ball in hand. He's probably got one of the highest ceilings as a back rower in Supercoach. Spied David Fafita, yes or no? Tell you what, I don't have him at the moment because I've got Angus uh, Crichton and Madison in my back row, so I have to be a little bit thinner in the forwards, but he could be anything, David Fafita. If he's had a big off-season and he's fit and healthy, he did all that last year at the Broncos coming back from injury. And he had about five blokes on him every time they went to him because he's the only bike they passed to for about six weeks there. Yeah. His 
Tackle busting is unbelievable. His offloading is really good, and we know what he can do with line breaks and tries. If he's got Brimson running off him, line break assists. So, oh, he'd be very, very tough to leave out. It's purely a case of you can't have every gun. Um, but he's pretty exciting with that early draw as well. Um, he could well find a way into my side if I can make it happen. Spy, when I talk about combinations at new clubs, uh, Fafita's a guy I worry about because he's jumping in there. He'll be running that lot, those lines on the edge off Taylor or Fogarty, wherever he ends up. Um, and I think it'll take time to get the get the timing between those two right. Um, as you said, Fafita was so overused at the Broncos because he was just about all they had. He was about the only one who could create anything last year for them when they were battling. Um, provided the Titans go all right, you know they have attack across the park. Do you see Fafita get, getting less attacking ball playing into his hands as a super coach prospect or would you prefer him getting that stacks of ball like he did at the Broncos but having four blokes on him as soon as he touched it? No, I definitely prefer at the Titans that he just gets ball at opportune times. They'll probably get him a lot of early ball as well. Um, I hope he's on Kelly's side because, as you said, with Kelly outside him, they both take defenders away from each other because they're both so good. But I've been so high on Fafita ever since he walked on for a game of NRL, he's just he's incredible. So, ah, gee, the more we talk about it, I've probably already convinced myself I need to find a way to put him in. Um, I just think he's just so good. He, um, you can he, even with those combinations, he doesn't need to be running good lines in that early because they'll just get him some good clean early ball at times and just let him go to work. Um, and they can't just gang up on him because there's so much attack around him in the halves. Brian Kelly, Brimson. Uh, the forward pack, so geez, exciting just from Supercoach, but also NRL. I just can't wait to watch it. Yeah, uh, finishes off at the Titans. Uh, fish on your thoughts on David Fafita, uh, and gives you quick thoughts. Is there any interest in Mo Fodawaka while we're on there? Yeah, I'm also really interested in David Fafita. I'm just not sure that I want to go all in on the Titans. So if I get Kelly. And for feeder, I, I, I'd probably rather just get the one of them. And, and I think Kelly's probably in a strange way. Um, uh, I, I can expect a little bit more in the CTW position compared to what you'd be competing with. Uh, and, uh, yeah, for feeder, to get them both, I mean, it, it, yeah, it could really pay off if, if the Titans click early on. But, yeah, with so many other guns to fit in this season, uh, Going to be tricky is a player on the rise, which is always a good thing. So maybe it's just a matter of picking him up at the right time and working out whether that's at the start of the season or, or a different time with, with the draw and the like uh, after he's found his feet. And uh, Mo Fodawika, yeah, with that increased competition coming into the pack, I I, I don't really see it. He, he's another guy who who is really young and, and uh, I think has a, a great work rate um, probably starting to build a bit of an offload into his game as well. So if there were any injuries in the Titans pack, I'd maybe take a look at him, but uh, not at full strength. Yeah, we look at a bench of probably uh, along the lines of Herman SESA, Sam Lasone, Jai Whitbread, Orr's middle slash edges, along with Tyrone Peachy as the utility at 14, who will probably give Mitch Rain a little bit of a reprieve there and play a bit in the back row. Um, you know, for Feeder will play 80, Proctor will play 80, Big Tino probably say 60 to 65. I just don't know if the minutes will be there for Mo Fodawaka or Jared Wallace this season. Um, so a no from me to start the year, but obviously a close watch. Lads, let's move on to the Newcastle Knights. A really, really exciting supercoach this side, this side this year. Uh, just quickly on Caelan Ponga. A lot of mystery over how long he's going to be out for to start the year. I've seen anywhere from zero weeks to six weeks. The strong word that I've seen is about that four to six week um, category. It does open up a spot to start the season for Tex Hoy at 240k, dual fullback 5'8". Really, really interesting guy because if Ponga is out for long enough and we can get a few price rises in there, Tex Hoy has got to be massively considered. Spy, what are your thoughts on Tex? Well, I'll tell you one thing. If I knew he was playing six, seven weeks, I'd prefer him much more than Moylan. Uh, his base will be high. He runs a lot at fullback. Uh, I don't know who's goal kicking. Uh, maybe he goal kicks as well, but I'd certainly prefer him over Moylan. But the concern is, um, until we know a little bit more, that you pick him up and then Kalen comes back in round three and you don't get any money. That's my only worry on him. 
Yeah, I'm a little bit the same. He had two games at fullback last season for scores of 54 and 44. Uh, one of those games was in 90 minutes, but in those two games, he also had a base of 35 and 36. So he looks the goods, but he just screams to me of a guy who, you know, he plays his two or three games, may get a price rise. Caelan Ponga comes back early um, and sexy text. He won't be far away throughout the season, but he will need injuries. Um I just see him as a guy. Don't pick him to start the year, barring more news on Ponga, of course, and, and this could age poorly or well, whatever. But if he goes nuts the first two rounds, it looks like Ponga's going to be out a few more weeks. Just pick him up in that round three before the initial price rise for then. Um, the rest of the back line, I mean, plenty of options. Uh, Bradman Best is another one who, you know, comes in pretty highly priced at 550K on an average of 62 from last season. Um, Fish, I suppose, quickly your thoughts on Tex Hoy, if you've got anything to add there. And then Bradman Best, is he worth the pod move to start the year or do you see him as being overpriced? Yeah, I think the other thing with Tex Hoy is he could easily end up in that number 14 jersey, which uh, would would be pretty bad in that you'd have to ship him out pretty quickly. And yeah, Bradman Best, I took a closer look at him today, uh, just particularly given their early draw, kicking off with the, the Bulldogs, Warriors, Tigers, Dragons, Titans. So it sounds pretty good. I mean, if if Ponga was there, he, he uh, would look even better. But just the old adage of how much you pay for a centre. I mean, we spoke about Kelly before. Even that carries some risk. But at least with him, you, you know that uh, his minutes were slightly less last year. Whereas uh, with Best, I mean, his his base is, is excellent, but you're still relying on tries and attacking stats to to get that 60-plus average that, that you're paying for. So um, I, I think he's a, a wait uh, for later on in the season. Yeah, it's a really good call you make on Tex Hoy. You know, say he does play the first two rounds since start, or even the first three rounds, Ponga comes back. Um, what happens to, I suppose, you know, at the moment I've got jotted down Phoenix Crossland as the number 14 sort of bit of utility who can come on and spend a bit of time at hooker there in the halves if needed. Um, but now that Connor Watson will be back in that side, you know, he's the utility who can jump into lock if he needs to or a half goes down. So there's every chance that if Pong comes back, Tex Hoy goes as that utility back rather than Crossland who might cover sort of hooker half. Um Mate, I hadn't really thought about it until now, but it's, it's a great point you make, and it seems logical to me that, yeah, maybe Hoy does become that 14. Um, Spy, what are your thoughts there? I know you're a big fan of Bradman best last season. Yeah, I, I love Bradman, and a bit like David Fafida, he's young. He's probably only going to get better, but I won't look to start with him. Um, Fish summed it up well. I think he's a real good person to watch and see if you can get him at some stage if he's doing well. Um, as he said, I prefer Ponga there. They have a really good combination with that flat cutout ball. And then he tips onto the winger or just scores himself. But I won't be starting with him. But again, someone excited. I'm very excited to watch and see how he goes this season. Yeah, you're you're going to get really sick of me saying this year, saying this this year. But when I'm targeting Newcastle Knights players, I'm targeting left edge players more than anyone in the com, along with probably the bunnies, um, just because of how much better a player Ponger is on the left than on the right. His passing game, um, his little jink in and away is so much stronger. Um, so, you know, I, I'm targeting guys like definitely Bradman Best more so than Inari Chualu if he was to be cheap and, and popular, whatever. Uh, the left edge back rower, I want a lot more than the right edge back rower. And then, you know, whoever's playing on the wing, Eddie Lee on the wing when Pong is playing and the Knights are in form, bit of a smoky is a cheapie. Um, but while Pong is out, not, none of those guys really entertain me. Um, speaking of going into the forwards, and we mentioned him before, but Connor Watson, 288K, dual 5'8 hooker, based on an average of 36 last season. However, because he only played a handful of games last year, that price is reduced. Excellent footballer, excellent supercoach player, ticks a lot of boxes. Spy, is he in your round one team, provided that he gets that starting lock role? We think he's going to play that um, the Victor Radley type role for the Knights. He jumped in there off the bench a little bit last season uh, before he got injured and then lots of other things happened. But yeah, Connor Watson starting at lock. Is he in your side? And if he is, how many minutes do you see him getting? Yeah, if he's starting lock, definitely in my side. Uh, even if you're, even if he's off the bench, I'll probably start with him, to be honest. Uh, he should get a bit good minutes off the bench. I'll have a little bit of a dive for myself into how he's gone off the bench in games in years past. 
But I think you probably start with him either way. Um, there is a little bit of injury risk, but his upside's pretty huge. Uh, very fun to watch too, by the way. Um, Minutes-wise at lock, I can't answer at the moment, to be honest. I think um, once we see the Knights side, you can probably get a good idea of rotation, but you'd think you'd have to play at least sort of 45, 50 minutes, wouldn't you, with upside if they want to if they want to push him to 60-odd. Yeah, I reckon so, mate. I, I think he's that good that gee, the Knights have got some good depth this season. Depth in the sense that um, they've got guys like Connor Watson, who can Connor Watson, Kurt Mann, who are in their starting side that can cover just about every bloody position in the side between them. Um, Fish, is Connor Watson, based on him starting uh, in your side this season, provided he is, will you be picking him to start the season if he's off the bench? Yeah, I don't mind him off the bench, I think. I had a look at his couple of games last season in that role and he had about 40 to 45 minutes with about uh, one point per minute in base and then he's always a good chance of jagging attacking stats and tackle breaks and all those sorts of things. So, yeah, I, I, I think he's still a pretty decent option coming off the bench. Although, uh, you yeah. I was going to ask you a question, mate. Sorry, sorry to yeah. I thought you were done You're with right. with Connor and Tim as well. I've got a little. I have one of my drafts where I have a little tinker with a couple of my sides, but it's pretty well set. Is it viable? Say Connor gets named at thirteen round one. He's trialed well. You're pretty happy with him. Do you think it's viable to put him as starting hooker? and basically beef up everywhere else, bearing in mind that people are probably going to have him on the bench anyway, so he's still probably playing in your 17. Do you think you could start mm. with him at hooker and hope he averages 50, 55 to start the year, which would basically allow you to get an extra gun at 5-8 in the halves or, or back row, that sort of thing? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, look, there's been lots of questions on this um, that came this week, and we were going to touch on it earlier, but let's just do it now. People asking, you know, can they start with? There seems to be a lot of decent cheapies at hooker. Connor Watson being one of them, you know, a la Appy Coruscant last year, who started about 350 or 60K from memory and was just that perfect stepping stone to your Damien Cooks. Obviously, Harry Graham was in the same boat, obviously, a lot cheaper. Um, I think what it comes down to for me is when you're locking in a lot of these guns in your side, uh, you know, do you want Damien Cook or Harry Grant in your side as opposed to, say, Cameron Munster or I mean, Cody Walker, what's your take on it, Fish? And, yeah, I suppose what Spy said, can you start with not only Connor Watson, but can you start with two cheapy to mid-range mid range hookers in your side or do you think you need to have one of the guns at hooker? Yeah, I think it's extra risky at hooker because of how scarce that position can be in terms of guns. And uh, Watson got injured twice, I think, last season. Uh, he's a pretty small guy playing in the middle. He's, he's probably preparing for it more and more, so you'd, you'd hope it doesn't happen again. And it's always a bit of guesswork with, with injury predictions, but that, that's a worry with him, I think. And, yeah, you, you, you could leave yourself in, in a bit of strife there. I suppose the fact that he's dual means you can always shift him down to 5'8 and have a little bit of a backup plan, maybe even have Lockie Lamb there as a, a bit of an insurance policy. But, yeah, I think... I probably prefer him at five eighths, and it it could be his his ideal sort of reserve selection for your team almost, just that real consistent sort of base that you're going to get along with the upside. Um, the, the challenge, I guess, that we're all facing at the moment is trying to fit in the likes of Teddy and Cleary and and all these second row guns. So I can see why people are thinking about it, but you just need to be careful with your planning on how you're going to fill those positions later on. Yeah, it's a good shout there. If you if you do start with, say, I mean, the other popular guy at Hook is obviously Jacob Little at 247K, also extremely injury prone. So if you just start with Watson and Little at Hooker, um, as you touched on, at least Watson's got the jewel that you can work with a little bit. But um, if one of those guys goes down injured and the other one's only playing 40 minutes or something, it can leave you pretty short pretty quickly. So um, it, it probably does pose a little bit of a question mark there. Um, lots and lots of options. Fellas, the next two I'll get on to in the night side because there is a lot of options where we could be going a while tonight, but we'll see if we can get through it. Uh, a David Clammer and Daniel Saifiti. Spy, 
David Clemmer, 592k, based on an average of 66.8 last year. Uh, become an absolute super, after being a bit of a super coach plotter over the years. The last two years, he's taking his PPM to sort of 1.1 to 1.2, playing about that 57 minute mark. I think he was the second top offloader of the season last year, very popular. Uh, and then Daniel Saifidi, he just hit his straps last year. 1.31 points per minute, playing 48 minutes per game. Um, massive, massive numbers. Any interest in either of them two to start the season? Not really, mate. Um, they're both – Clemmer's rock solid. He, um, he'll get the job done most weeks for you. Uh, my, the minutes do worry me a little bit at Newcastle. Uh, sometimes they'll take minutes off each other or if one team gets clear of the other in the game, they might not come on for that last stint, which concerns me a little bit. Mm. There's also a question mark around Clemmer's offloading. He did it at a heap last year, but it fell away towards the end. Um, I was going to say he doesn't have a lot of upside claim of it. To be honest, I owned him a couple of times last year where he got in the 90s, so he does have a bit there. But it screams boring pick to me, and I feel like <laughs> based on, you know, you came second last year and all year you just kept saying you want upside, you want upside. Under the new rules, that makes sense. So I'd much prefer to fit in find a place for like David Fafita rather than, than Clemmer um, just to see what yeah. they can do. I think that's where I'm at Mate, for this I, year, attacking. I think you've nailed it on the head, and, and I have the exact same view in that when I spoke before about guys at the start of the season that I'm willing, I'm looking for value in every player. Um, I don't see Saifidi or Clemmer. I think Clemmer's you know, pretty close to the best prop in Supercoach. There's a couple there, but along with obviously sort of Payne Haas. But they're not going to jump in value. Um, they're not guns that you're paying for that are going to bust out big tons and hurt you because you don't have them in your side. So the front row is the big position that I look for as mid-range cows so who can pump out 45 to 50 points for you as opposed to claim a 65 or 70, uh, and they'll make you 100 to 150K, and you turn them into them later. Um, so, yeah, so probably just not for me, and I, I, I don't like that tactic to start the season. Um, just quickly, the last bloke we'll touch on, I'll get your fish thoughts, Fish, um, but Mitchie Barnett, uh, a bit of a pod to start the season potentially, 543K, so pretty affordable Average 68 minutes per game last season with Lachlan Fitzgibbon out of action. Um, could be an 80-minute back rower. Could potentially even be kicking goals. Any interested in, interest in Barnett as a pod or no-go? Yeah, I do have a little bit of interest. I, 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 yeah, the kicking goals thing is interesting, particularly if he was able to uh, start to slot them at a, at a pretty good percentage because um, I think Ponga's record wasn't great last year. I mean, they'll, they'll probably mm. stick with... Ponga, uh, if if Barnett sort of you know doesn't doesn't go too great, but uh, yeah, there's an opportunity there, and he has he's had patches of of good form over his Supercoach career. Like when he came onto the scene with the Raiders uh, as a debut, and I think uh, he he carved up straight away. Uh, so he's he's definitely got a game for it. Uh, I just. Yeah, playing on the edge, he, he sort of alternates between playing between edge and middle. Um, so you, you might get a little bit of upside in him to start the season, but then you're probably going to be looking to, to capitalise on that and get a, a, a leak gun in. So it's probably not the best way to make up your squad to start the season, I don't think. Yeah. Could, could, could be a solid pod, but when you look at guys that feeder for about 10K more, um, the likes of Madison and Crichton for only about 100K more, um, it just seems like an, an unnecessary gamble to take to start the season with, particularly he's got a bit of injury history behind him as well. Fellas, we'll quickly break up our team analysis with a look at a couple of super pods to eye off. Um, like the antipod, we love a pod on this show. The antipods, the super pods. The super pods are the guys pretty well at under 5% throughout the year that we'll look at. The guys that will really make or break you, they can send you up the rankings absolutely soaring. They can drop you down the rankings quicker than they've bloody put two points on the board for you in 80 minutes. Um, Start with you, Spy. Is there any super pods you're looking at to start the season sort of based on ownership numbers or or predicted ownership numbers for round one? Yeah, so we've got Brian Kelly we already spoke about. He's about 3% at the moment, um, which is <laughs> blew my mind, that. so that's huge. Um, the other two I'm really looking at, I've got Ta in my side at the moment from Penrith. He's at about 6%, and so is Jerome Luai. I kind of want both of them, to be honest, and I'm, I'd love to find a way to get Luai into my side. Um, 
whether I can do that, I'm not sure, but I just think he's gonna he's gonna keep on keeping on. Penrith have a good draw. I'm sort of back in their their attack just to be really good again this year. So I may I've probably got a decision to make about which one I take out of those two boys. I don't think I'll fit them both in. Uh, so I might downgrade to to a cheaper centre and get Luai in as my backup five eight mm. with Munster which is pretty exciting, to be honest. Um, or I might just stick with Toto potentially with his, his base and just those those points I need in the centres um, and leave Luai out. But, gee, I'll be watching him close because if he looks good round one and I don't have him, I could nearly bring him straight in, to be honest. But, uh, yeah, they're probably my three at the moment. Um, not looking to go too crazy on super pods, but it's good to have a couple options there who I do trust. Yeah, Luai is certainly an exciting prospect there. And, mate, I'll blow your mind because I had Toto in mine as well. Uh, as far as I can see on the side, Brian Toto is at 3.6%, not 6%, 3.6%. Wow. Um, which I couldn't believe. I thought <laughs> oh, he'd no. be in 15 20% of teams. Shit, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Don't know how, don't know why, but, yeah, so Brian Toto wasn't even a guy I was going to mention as a super pod, but um, when I saw him there at well under 5% ownership, why not mention him? So, Brian Toto for me, and he was a guy I was starting with anyway, or at this stage. Uh, and then the other one for me was none other than Fergie Ferg at 4.2%, another at his price that I thought might be a lot higher ownership. Very well may change before round one, but yeah, Fergie Ferg, very cheap. Fish, who have you found? Yeah, I like the look of Dylan Brown as a, a bit of a smoky at 5 eighths. I I haven't even uh, looked at the ownership. I'm, I'm trying to pull it up now. I'm just assuming that he's pretty low, low ownership, but yeah. I think a majority of teams are probably looking at Munster and with Brown, you'll, you'll get a pretty similar base and I, I don't mind the Eels draw to start the season either and he's another one who, who could actually sort of even slot into your team right through to that first buy round in round 13. So, yeah, for me, tossing up between him and Munster is definitely an interesting one and yeah, it'd be pretty exciting to get him in. The other person I had a look at was Mitchell Moses just because that backup half spot is so difficult to fill. But all Moses' high ceiling games have come when Brown's been out of the side, uh, whereas Brown's shown a couple of times that he can, he can still go big with, with Moses in the side. So funnily enough, he seems to be the, uh, the preferred playmaker, uh, or mm. perhaps not the preferred playmaker, but certainly the better super coach scorer of the two. So, yeah, mate, um, interested in, in Brown. Tell you what, boys, Dylan Brown, 3.1% ownership. Great, great spot. Um, talk of Dylan Brown and Jerome Luai in your team just gets the hairs standing on end. That gets me that excited for round one. I really like those. Don't know if I'll be going with either of them, but uh, they do get me excited. Boys, let's move on to our final team for the night, and that is the mighty Cronulla Sharks. No, I'm not a fan, but excited to talk about them anyway. Not a lot of Supercoach relevant at the Sharks. There's a couple that have piqued my interest a little bit. Um, not a lot going on in the background in the sense that I suppose Sione Katoa, Ronaldo, Mulitalo are probably priced close to their peak. Uh, and I think the big thing that hurts the back line is no Sean Johnson for, I think, what, the first half of the season or something like that due to his big injury at the end of last season. Boys, one that's going to be really popular for round one at $253,000 is Matty Moylan, dual 5'8 fullback. Uh, Spy, do you have Matty Moylan in your team to start the year? I do not, and I don't really want to start with him. I actually quite like Moylan as a footballer. Um, He he debuted in Origin a few years ago, went really well, but his body just can't hold up at the moment, boys. Um, What what I will say as a caveat to that is if there's a lack of cheapies and I need to get him in, I certainly can. Uh, But I think is he a 5'8 fullback? That means I'm either playing because I've got Munster there it means I have to shift Connor Watson to hooker uh, which could be bench hooker to be fair uh, I'm certainly not putting Moylan at fullback so I think it'll be Connor Watson or Jerome Luai at 5'8 for me as a backup role uh, and I just don't trust Moylan he's probably that perfect guy along with a couple of others that if he does come out firing two weeks in low break even I can bring him in for a price rise but Hey, he's been lucky to get through a game the last three years, let alone two or three. So I'm happy to sit back and watch unless I absolutely need need playing cheapies. Yeah, he's battled, mate. Eight games last season, 11 games in 2019. It's pretty grim reading. Fish, do you have Moiser? Yeah, I do. And I think one thing that I like about him is his ceiling. I, he showed a couple of years ago that he 
is able to go big at 5'8". He had a score of 134 and everyone traded him in and then I think he had his low score of 9 or something like that. So probably <laughs> probably burn a few people over the years. But I think as a reserve 5'8", if he can jag a, a decent score, then you can happily take that and, and hopefully move him on for a decent price rise. You may even be able to chuck him in your side against um, some of the weak teams that the Sharks have got the Dragons uh, round one who I support. So funny I'm calling it a weaker team, but decent match up there. Mm. And, <laughs> yeah, I think the, the other thing, uh, I listening to um, Chad Townsend talk on the, the Talking League party, he mentioned the fact that they'd played together a bit in 2018 or quite a lot in 2018 and with that halves combination I've got to think Moylan's going to be the the chief creator so provided he can stay in the park I reckon it's a decent shout so yeah I don't know that there's too much else around in terms of cheapy five eights and I'll probably be happy to take the punt. Yeah, I like him as well, mate. I think the, the injury concern is massive, um, but as I said, they're the punch you take. But the thing is, he's paying he's 250K, so you're not taking a punt on someone worth 450K. 2016, he averaged 63 per game. 2017 was 59. 2018 was 52. A lot of injury issues since, but I, I really like him as a footballer when he can stay in the park. Um, he's a bit all over the shop at times. The issue I do have with him, aside from the obvious ish, uh, injury, is that at fullback, the way the Sharks play and I suppose the way a lot of the modern-day rugby league sides play, um, not at fullback, he won't be that sweeper out the back that throws that last cutout ball for the try to, to your Katoas or your Mulitalos. Um, I think he'll be feeding that to, to Will Kennedy or whoever the fullback is for round one, um, which could hurt his supercoach scoring a fair bit. Um, but the way I said, if you can get a 50-point average per game, that would net him 200K pretty easily. Um, I think he's very capable of it, particularly without SJ in the team. As you mentioned, mate, he'll be doing a lot of the, the attacking for that side. Um, so I like him. Whether I'll start him by 17 for round one, look, I'll see how he gets through the trial. But there's obviously a fair bit of risk in that one, so we'll wait and see. Um, I'll touch on him quickly, but Connor Tracy, who I've currently got pegged on as a, the number 14 in the Shark side at the moment, I think he has been doing a bit of training at fullback. Um, so he's a smoky for round one, dual halfback 5'8 in Supercoach, 258K. Uh, in four 80-minute games last season, he averaged 48.25. So keep an eye on Connor Tracy, uh, and he's another one. If he gets named at fullback in round one, he would be a godsend for Supercoach because he can be our backup halfback, uh, which we're all struggling to find at the moment. Um, fellas, humor me just quickly. Um, before we wrap up the Sharks, because again, I don't think there's sort of too, too much to talk about. Um, before you jump in and laugh at me, Andrew Fafida, $398,000, playing the Indigenous All-Stars Clash this weekend. He's been named to start. Let's say he looks fit. Let's say he's offloading like the Fafita of old, plays decent minutes. He gets named to start in round one for the Sharkies. Spy, any interest in Big Fifi? Uh, well, not really, but if he looks awesome, then all of a sudden <laughs> I'm quite <laughs> excited. Um, he's one of the great men to own in Supercoach when he's fit oh. and healthy because he just darts across field, brushes blokes off for tackle bus, then throws an offload, then does it again two tackles later. But, gee, he looked bad last year, just health-wise. Um, sort of concerned he, was, he could actually keep playing in the NRL, but I'd love to see him back and firing. And, yeah, he would be phenomenal if he looks the goods. Um, so, yeah, big watch this weekend, but at this stage, not even a thought. Um, but, yeah, a fit, a fit fit for feeder is at that price is absolute oh. magic, but that could be a long way away. Uh, but he could have had a big off-season. We'll find out pretty soon, boys. I would love nothing more than a fit Fifi in my side for round one. It'd be that exciting. But again, yeah, mate, he looked dead and buried a little bit last year with his body and, and his knee issues. But uh, we'll see how it goes and play on it later because we know how good he can be. Um, Spy, anything to add at the Sharks? I will add that two years ago, I was captaining for feeder a couple of rounds where he did his hammy five minutes in. So I'm a bit scarred from that. But that's only two years ago. He was my captain in Supercoach. So that says his mm. credentials. Um, yeah, quickly, boys. I put it on Twitter last night, but Talakai. Um, he'd probably come off the bench, but he did start in front of Nakora a couple of times last year in the back row. If he happened to nab a starting back row spot, he would be straight into my centres, uh, probably at the expense of Toh. 
Um, he's an absolute weapon. I had a look. He's only 23 years old or something, and gee, he, he's got points in him, so I think Sharks potentially need that. Uh, I haven't looked at it, haven't had a good look at him close defensively, but he's the kind of bloke with super, super upside of uh, in the centres if selections fall his way. Uh, conversely, he might be on the bench uh, or get limited minutes, so he might not be an option at all, but I think just one to keep an eye on once through trials and when squads are named. If he does, if he were to get named to start uh, in round one, w- would it worry you too much that there's no Sean Johnson there who fed him so well last year? Um, I'd probably have a little look further into who he played with last year because I think he had some pretty good games at the back end of the year as back row yeah. when Shawnee would have been out. So no, not really. I think he just he's a bit like he reminds me of like Conrad Harrell, just kind of creates his own stuff with his. He's just so hard to tackle, um, and as I said he's young, so in theory he's only getting better. Uh, but no, it wouldn't concern me. I think I'd be happy to take a punt on him at, at that price if he started, but uh, just cross those fingers and see what happens. Yeah, keep an eye on him. I, um, I skipped Fifi about maybe two or three years ago as well. One week he was on his standard 60 or 70-odd with 10 minutes to go. I had a head-to-head clash I desperately wanted to win. I was in all sorts of trouble. Fifi chasing a few points for the Sharkies. Had about 13 offloads in the last 10 minutes, scored two tries and went from 60 to 140 odd in the space of about eight minutes. Yeah, good. He uh, loves it. Those last, 10 minutes, those last oh. 10 minutes are what he does. He's a super coach specialist, 70 to 80, chasing points. <laughs> the junk time king. Um, Fish, anything to add at the Sharkies? Yeah, Talakai is definitely an interesting one. I, the job security might still be a risk if he was to get the, the starting spot because he, he was in and out of that back row spot. But when he did start, he averaged uh, over 70. I think it was around 72 that he averaged. It did include three tries, but he's, he's obviously uh, got that attack in his game. So, yeah, that in CTW would be absolute gold. So it could be a, a, a risk worth taking early on. Yeah. Fellas, let's jump into a few questions before we wrap it up for the night. Uh, one from David Lawrence. He asks, which one is the best backup option? Uh, yeah, best backup option at halfback out of DCE, Harris Tavita, Ash Taylor, or Jamal Fogarty? Spy, which one would you take? I would definitely take Harris Tavita out of those guys. Um, DCE is a gun, but a lot more expensive, and I wouldn't want him as my backup half. Uh, I'd want to be starting with him, if anything, uh, especially with Manly's early draw. And I do have a bit of interest in Harris, Harris Tavita, so he's my boy out of those four. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. Um, one from Dan Lemon. Jakey Turbo, is he a sleeper? So did a bit of a look into him last year. Averaged 66 points per game last year. Uh, in 2017 and 2018, or it might have been 18 and 19, he averaged 71 and 73 points per game. Fish, is Jerbo a bit of a sleeper? Can he get back to the absolute elite back roller that we know he's capable of, or is his super coach days as a one of the pick of the back rollers done and dusted? I guess you could argue, argue that with Tommy coming back, it, they might reconnect, and he used to get a few attacking stats out of that. But I think the key thing has been since Dez took over as coach, Jervo's runs have just gone down and that's been pretty common in Des coach teams where the, the lock or the front row has taken on that role and it's it's really frustrating because Jervo has that try in his game and, and he needs to run more to, to get those attacking stats uh, as well close to the line rather than be, be throwing the, the ball out the back. So, yeah, I, I couldn't go near him um, at that price uh, until we see his game change and him, him running more. Yeah, it's a nice shout, mate, on on Desi there. How he uh, how he goes. We know you know what you did it pretty infamous, infamously with the dogs in twenty fourteen with James Graham as that ball playing forward. He sort of he really introduced it. That was with one of the real big men. We've since seen it fall to that lock role who plays that as that link man between the hooker and the halves. Um, Spy. I mean, on that note, which is a really good point from Fish Turbo, uh, Jakey Turbo, sleeper or done and dusted. Pretty much what Fish said to an absolute T. In, while he's a link man, you, you don't want him. Uh, if his role changes, he starts running more, then absolutely, you can have a look then, but not, not in the current state of play. Yeah. Um, there's a, a cracker question from Luke Richardson, one that we've all thought about, but you know, probably try not to think about too much because we want him in our team so bad. Is Turbo worth the risk? <clears throat> he has high upside, but he's underpriced for a reason. He says he played seven games last year and 12 the year before. We all, that, they're Matt Moylan type numbers there. I think it's the same amount of games over the last two years. 
Uh, he keeps goes on to say, we're all preparing for the injury trade. We end up trading him out, then maybe back in later in the year if he comes back. Using two to three trades at fullback seems a waste. Is the price value for the amount of games he'll actually play worth it? Spy? Well, he's not in my side at the moment, if that answers there that question. Um, but I'm pretty scared not to have him. The only thing I'll say is one of the reasons that helped me to not put him in initially is a combination of Pappenhausen goal-kicking at training. I just think with his upside goal-kicking, that's who I want in, and he's been really durable the last few years um, against that that injury-prone turbo who has a really tough run early. If Manly played like three of the worst teams in the comp first three rounds, I would definitely have turbo because it's just too scary. But I think without having their draw in front of me, they've got a reasonably tough draw. So I'm just going to maybe just just back him in not to come out firing or maybe get ease back in. And I don't want it to happen, but he could easily get hurt again uh, the way he's been the last few years. So I don't want to be owning him if that happens. So I'm Pappenhausen over him at the moment, but it's a big call leading into round one. Yeah, um, jump on. So Manly's draw to start the season, Roosters, South, Dragons, and Panthers. Uh, that is from the Spies fixture analysis, ranking the sides opening to the competition on Supercoach points conceded. Um, it's probably the best thing that the Spies done in his entire life, and he has a gorgeous little baby boy. That's how good this <laughs> young is. That's uh, the best thing I've written all week, boys. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, mate, and, and uh, reading that one put me off him a little bit as well. Um, Fish, Tommy Turbo, is he in your side at the moment? Yeah, just while we're talking the, the spy up, I think uh, one thing I wanted to reference with this was uh, the fullback rotation article from last year. I, I think it might have been ahead of its time. Oh, uh, memory. Yeah, so I think <laughs> the the thing with uh, Turbo is that that ceiling. I, I actually don't mind trading him in and out. Uh, obviously, it's it, it's going to suck if he gets injured, but. I want to bring him in for his, his massive games and to chuck the armband on him. And if Pappenhausen does goal mm. kick, I think there's now four fullbacks who have a massive ceiling in Teddy, Turbo, Pappenhausen and Ponga. So between those four, I think Teddy's probably needs to be a mainstay for, for most sides for, for the armband, judging on last year's form. But between the other three different times in the year I could really see myself switching between them and and chucking a captaincy on them and I think that's a great way to just capitalize on that that ceiling which has been so important in Supercoach over the years so I think he's worth a risk but if Pappenhausen does goal kick given draw and the like I'll, I'll probably also be starting with Pappenhausen and then hopefully downgrade to turbo later on for a decent profit and look to do similar throughout the season. Yeah, it's good you brought up that fullback rotation policy article, mate, because it was a really good one from the Spy last year. We might have to dig that up. We'll definitely talk about it uh, on a preseason podcast before the season kicks off. Um, one from Matty Gibson. With word of Holmes not assured the fullback role, is he in a void even if named fullback on team list Tuesday? Um, I'll take that one because I'm I'm big on Val Holmes for round one. I've got him in my side at the moment. Really good question. Um, look, if, if he plays well in the trial and he's named at fullback in round one, he's going to be in my team because I see him as a bit of a pod at centre wing. Um, people aren't as hot on him as I thought they might have been, um, probably because of that news from Todd Payton. But, um, yeah, if he's named at fullback in round one, I'll be picking him. But, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of risk there with Val now that he may get a chance to play in the wing. But I still don't see how or why it had happened. But, anyway, Um just one more to wrap up before, yeah, finish it off for the night, but one from Benny Brock asking about the Teddy dilemma. And we won't get into it too much detail about this because we've been going for a while already, but it's so, so intriguing. So he has two options, one with Teddy, one without Teddy. Option A with Teddy is Teddy, Reese Robson at hooker, and Fergo in the centre wing. Without Teddy, he can have Damien Cook at hooker, Pappenhausen at fullback, and Brian Toto at centre wing. Um, you look at the difference in those three, those two options, should I say, and they're pretty instrumental, one with Teddy, one without Teddy. Spy, uh, what do you think? Look, on paper, the one without Teddy sounds better there. The only thing I'd yeah. say is find another way to get Teddy in. <laughs> there must be a way. I mean, I've done it where I've got a, a side I'm happy with. Um Obviously, if Robson plays 80 minutes, that's a different story, but that's for another day. Um, I think 
as I said, based purely on those three guys against each other, I actually prefer the To'o, Pappy, and yeah. other guy combination, Cook, but there must be a way you can find a way to get another one of those guns in your side uh, without having to give up so much. Uh, that's my initial thoughts, obviously, without seeing your side or anything like that. Um, but it does raise a, a big conundrum of how much you can do without Teddy, but I'm standing by the Teddy train uh, to start 2021. Yeah, there'll, there'll be uh, plenty more to talk about in terms of the Teddy dilemma before round one kicks off because that topic is going to heat up more and more every week as we see what we can squeeze into our team when we free up uh, Teddy's 850k for about a five or 600k player. Uh, anyway, fellas, that is it for the night. Um, been mentioning it every week. Please jump onto our forum on the website, making a few little changes to that to make it better and better and a little bit more accessible each week, but keen to get that going. So jump onto the forum. It's on the menu on the homepage at scplaybook.com.au. Um, and as always, any feedback you've got for us, we want to make this product better for you every single week, the podcast and the articles. Any content ideas, hit us up on our socials at scplaybook1, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Spite, as usual, you've been big, mate. Thanks, boys. And, um, yeah, just a reminder, if, it, genuinely, if anyone can help me with crash racing, I'm going okay. I just can't seem to get to the next <laughs> level. So give us a shout-out. I don't know how to power slide. <laughs> Thanks, boys. <laughs> Fish, now that the spy's done dribbling, mate, you've been big on your NRL debut. Thank you. Thanks, lads. Yeah, good to see the uh, talking up of the spy ended pretty quickly. <laughs> Short and sharp. <laughs> Cheers.